Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Dragonlance Canticle. My name is Megan, and joining me today is a familiar face around the world of the Dragonlance Nexus, our good friend, Ed McKeel. Good evening slash morning. <laughs> yeah, it's evening for me. It's a little bit past 11 o'clock at night on December 5th, so I'm guessing it's a little bit past midnight for you. It's December 6th. So yes. for you, where you are in the future, that means that Dragonlance is Dragonlance is officially available as a setting on the DM skill. It is. It is. And we uploaded our book, but I'm I'm gonna be quiet and let you intro that part. Okay, so I have Ed here to talk to me about Tasselhoff's Pouches of Everything Revised. For those of you who are followers of the Dragonlance Nexus or belong to our Facebook group or just listen to this podcast in the past, you know that we released uh, earlier this year a book called Tasselhoff's Pouches of Everything, which was a free guide to 5th edition Dragonlance that was made as sort of a passion project um, by the Dragonlance Nexus. But soon after that release had become available, we learned that. Wizards of the Coast was going to be producing an official Dragonlance adventure slash campaign guide, which turned out to be Shadows of the Shadow of the Dragon Queen. So we have remastered, revised, reloaded Tasselhoff's pouches of everything, and it is going to be well. It's available now, as of as of this moment, it is currently available on the DMs Guild, and I will have a link in the show notes. So if you are interested in picking it up, which I really hope you are, because you really should, because it's really good. Just click on that link, and it's going to take you right there. So I wanted to bring Ed on because he's been burning the midnight oil, getting this publication ready to go, working down to the wire to make everything as perfect as it can be for our special midnight launch. And first thing I want to say, Ed, is congratulations to you. Uh, Congratulations to the, the rest of the team. Tim Shiflett, uh, Chuck Martinell, Trampus Whiteman, John Ryan, Weldon Chen, and everybody else who worked on this guide because it is absolutely fantastic. And I'm not being paid to say it. So, you know, it's true, right? Yeah, sure. But Megan, you, you helped. Uh, you, you, you definitely assisted us in, in the early chapters, which have the most edits and and additions to this book and it was an all hands on deck everybody who was associated with the nexus did something for it we wanted to put out this free product earlier in the year and we did and it was great but you know what it needed improvement and if we were going to put something out there that that were uh that was going to go on the dm's guild we needed to up our game we commissioned all new art we added uh, a little bit more than just revised Tasselhoff's Pouches of Everything. We also added the first part of our adventure, Champions of Kryn, Chapter 1, The Mystery of the Lost Patrol, as a bonus. Like, it's not going to cost any extra to get that book. And, and this, is, this is going to be um, $16.95. So you get two books for the price of one, basically. It has everything you'd ever want to run a Dragonlance campaign. I'm excited. I've been getting gray hairs doing the layout, and we've done multiple, 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 multiple edits. And and so thank you, Megan, because you helped us as well. You helped us even today. You you sent me edits today through the chat that well, got in there. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I'm, it, 
I'm glad that I was able to contribute. Um, and, a, and just thank you to you guys for doing this. Congratulations on getting this onto the DMs Guild. Thanks to everybody from the playtesters, everybody all the way down who contributed, everybody who gave us any kind of feedback or just supported right. us. Thank you all so much. I think I can speak on behalf of the whole Nexus when I say that we are grateful for all your contributions. Yes. Um, and I wanted to, of course, highlight the fact that this does include our Champions of Kryn adventure, part one of the Champions of Kryn adventure, which is going to be a series of adventures. The second mm-hmm. part is due out. Do you have a, a date yet when it's set out? I know there's a, a general date. Yes. So we're, we're probably planning to have that around January, February timeframe. February at the latest, but I'm hoping January. That'll also be a revision. It'll have more pages, just like all of these two books that are released as a two-pack have additions as well. Some people who are listening to this likely got this book, these books, as the when they were released for free earlier in the year. But these have all been revised, edited, updated, new original art. You are getting, you know, a new product, even if you have the other one. A hundred percent. And Tasselhoff's pouches of everything includes the adventure. So, you know, you, you can't go wrong getting two for the price of one. Exactly. And and honestly, I would say that the, the larger amount of updates are going to be in um, revised Tasselhoff's. Um, I love the the first version of the book, but this one is even even more jam packed with goodness. That would be that would be a great five E campaign. So I'm going to go through the early parts of the of the book pretty quickly, and then you and I are going to sort of pick apart what's in here. So anybody listening to this, you're going to know what exactly you're getting for your sixteen ninety five. Right. Um, so we start with some credits, um, table of contents, of course. Uh, we have an introduction by Chuck Martinell, our good friend. Um, and we have an introduction by our good friend Tasselhoff Burfoot. Uh, <laughs> some notes on how to use the book properly. And then we get into chapter one, which is called uh, Ancestries of Anselon. We've decided to go with the word uh, ancestries for this supplement. Um, we have breakdowns of the the common races that you're, well, common ancestries that you're going to encounter on Kryn, which is the dwarves, the elves, the humans, uh, the ogres, kender, a little bit about goblinoids. And it really describes each of these groups in, in detail, dividing them. You know, it's not just that this is dwarves. We've got all kinds of dwarves. We have dwarves from different regions, uh, dwarves from Thoradin, dwarves from Thorbarden. Um, dwarves from different parts of Thorbarden, dwarves that belong to different clans within Thorbarden. We have dwarves from the Age of Dreams. Yeah, you know, they all have their own their own feel to them, um, and they all have special player options. So, if you want to play, for example, if you want to play a Hylar dwarf versus a, I'll just say Derogar because they're right here next to each other on the page. Um, they get different ability scores. They get different little bonuses, um, different penalties in the cases of some of the. Uh, in the cases of some of them. And then we continue on with the elves. And of course, the different groups of elves are very important in Dragonlance. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can play as Sylvanesti, you can play as Qualanesti, Kaganesti, um, Half Elves, Sea Elves, Shoal Elves. And again, there's different attributes. For, there's like a little bit of history on each of them. There's a bit of what makes, you know, this group different from the other group, not only in terms of how they look, but also in in sort of in terms of their history, in terms of their worldview, you know, they have kind of 
a brief summary in Shadow of the Dragon Queen, but this goes so much more in depth and really gives you a sense of how you can flavor your character mechanically as well. Yeah, I agree. And and so that was kind of what we went here with is we understand that that Shadow of the Dragon Queen is like your introduction into Dragonlance for some new players. This book is going to be for your deep dive, I feel like. A lot of these different ancestries reflect different time periods of Ancelon. So you mentioned the dwarves from the Age of Dreams. Yes. And I'm looking here at Kender right now. We've got the afflicted Kender that yep. don't come along until the Age of Mortals. Um, the Shadow of the Dragon Queen, of course, is very focused on this brief period in time. It's like the early War of the Land. Castlehoff's Pouches of Everything covers covers the ancient history. It covers um, the War of the Lance, obviously, but also all the way up to the Chaos War and then beyond the Chaos War into the Age of Mortals. So you can really kind of use this guy to help you play in any time period. When we kind of were putting this out, we decided to have some playtest documents that went out to our Patreon. And they wanted us to ensure that definitely, at least for our subclasses, that we give information on each subclass to make sure that they can be played in every age. And so we made sure to do that. And then we also have uh, guides on how to play Draconians. Oh, yes. The Draconians is very sparse in, uh, in Shadow of the Dragon Queen. They're just described as basically just instruments of Takesis's will. But in this, they've got their own personalities, their own culture, their own goals and desires. Yes, you can play any Draconian as a player race um, that is not playable with Shadows of the Dragon Queen. They're mostly just monsters. And that was something that was kind of put out there even back with um, the Fizban book that came out where they were saying, oh, you're not going to get the as player races. So we wanted to make sure that we covered all the bases because in some of the novels for Dragonlance, you got to see Kang's regiment and, and you see the Draconians flourish and, and they're not just these evil beings. They, they end up being able to have children and the next generation of Draconians and they, they found their own nation. So why can't players do that? I am to play, well, one of the best time periods in which to play Dragonlance, if you want to do sort of your, own campaign is that that sort of golden era after Kitiara's attack on Palanthus, but before the Chaos War. Exactly. That's really the time where there, there's a lot of things still in flux, and that's when that's when uh, Champions of Crin takes place. Correct. Um, well, after the War of the Lands. Everything is sort of in flux. Everything is changing. Alliances are being drawn and redrawn, and it's a really good time to explore the world without having the war backdrop necessarily impacting your campaign directly. Um, and this guide is going to let you do that. If you want your characters to go somewhere that's not featured in the original modules or somewhere that's not featured in Shadow of the Dragon Queen, you can, because you've got all this information in here about the peoples and all the different cultures. Yeah, and you could play half-ogres, you can play minotaurs. We have stats for Urda. And we even have stats of a rare, like kind of a rare race called Phaethon, which are a weird elf hybrid that have fiery wings that showed up in the Key of Destiny modules back in the 3.5 days. And there's even a note here at the end of this first chapter that describes other ancestries. It says, I, I really like the way that this is phrased, where it says, with the right amount of creativity and collaboration, any of the fantastical creatures that populate the Dungeons and Dragons multiverse are viable options for your Dragonlance character. Exactly. We need to get, I, I feel like, and this is, this is me, maybe not everybody, but I feel like we need to get out of the habit of telling people, 
that's not on Crin. Maybe, maybe we open it up to a case by case scenario to say, maybe this can be here. Maybe they, these people, these other races travel from another world or something like that. And we allow our players to explore and it opens up new role play, um, opportunity and, and it'll flourish your campaign. The next chapter, chapter two, is classes and factions. This is a big chunk of the book right here, but this has a ton of really cool stuff in it. Each class gets its own subclass in Tasselhoff's Patches of Everything, right? Flavor yes. the field Dragonlance. So I'm going to kind of go briefly over these so anybody listening will know what's in here. Um, so we've got Barbarian Primal Path is the Path of the Dragon Totem, um, which is great because I love... I love the idea of barbarians, but I don't feel like there's a lot of great barbarian subclasses, except maybe the maybe the beast totem one. But yeah, this this one is really cool. You get a lot of draconic powers. It's, it feels almost like a fusion of the Dracount, draconic ancestry sorcerer with a uh, with a barbarian. Um, yeah, that, have, that's a fun one. It is fun. And we have the Bard College, College of Psalmistry, which is sort of like a divine bard, which I think is really interesting. That's kind of a new a new take on it. That kind of comes from the old school of when you talk about the War of the Lands, you know, were there bards, you know, in second edition, uh, could bards have spells uh, in the age of uh, despair? So we have these bards here that are uh, maybe more of the divine type. And then we have two cleric domains, uh, the adjudicator, uh, adjudication domain, which is sort of like I want to say like inquisitors, templars, that sort of that sort of vibe. Yes. And then the the circle of freedom, which is all about personal freedom, liberating other people's. It's all about being able to go wherever you want, whenever you want. Free will. Mm-hmm. And then the druid circle, the circle of spring dawning. That's a very familiar name to Dragonlance fans. Fighter martial archetypes. Uh, we start off strong with Knight of Salania. Yeah, this is a good one. And so this is, we, we go later to where our organizations kind of go. We, we do the faction system, but we do have a class that, that with the fighter class that you could be either a knight of the crown, knight of the sword, or knight of the rose. And all of that is embodied in this one subclass. I guarantee you no one should be disappointed with this because this, this has a little bit of everything. Yeah, this really gives you a sense of how you can play each of the different orders within the Knights of High, uh, within the High, Knights of High Sorcery. Remember them? No, the Knights yes. of Samia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, the, this this one is another is one of my favorites, the Wind Rider uh, oh, yeah. archetype. So, those of you who are familiar with Dragonlance, you remember the the elves fly around on griffins. I think most famously. Alhana Starbreeze, when she comes and rescues the companions in Dragons of Winter Night, is flying on Griffiths, and that's how they escape Tarsus. Yeah, and so the your your bonded companion uh, will kind of get stronger as you gain levels. And then we have the monk subclass, Way of the Mantis. Um, yeah. Sort of a a monk dedicated to the Way of Majir, who's the god of the god of sort of wisdom and meditation within Dragonlance. This subclass kind of took its uh, inspiration from the old Dragonlance comics from DC Comics. Sturm Brightblade's uh, uncle, who is a uh, 
priest monk of Majir. He, some of the things that this subclass can do are demonstrated in that comic. And actually, Tim wrote an article about it, and we can link that maybe in the show notes. Uh, then we have Oath of the Clarist, a, uh, a paladin subclass dedicated around, um, around protection and healing. Yeah, that's also a Salamnic Knight type situation there. And then we have the Ranger archetype, which is the Legion Scout based around the, the Legion of Steel. I really like this, this subclass. You're kind of like a spy in this subclass. You, know, you like are. You're, you're uh, an information collector. And uh, I believe we have a little bit of information there of, of playing that when you're not a, a part of the Legion in a different time frame. So either way, it's cool. I mean, if you're not part of the Legion, you could be a part of a different group. Oh, yeah. But probably my favorite of all these subclasses, I think, is the Night Stalker Rogue. I agree. <laughs> I remember Nightshade from the Dark Disciple trilogy. I think he's kind of the first instance of this class sort of appearing, at least in the novels. Right. And it's like a, a kender who can see dead people. Yep. And he has some, some kind of spellcraft. Um, the cool part about Nightshade was he was not your standard Taz clone. He was a, was a kinder that didn't steal very well. So I, I, he's actually one of my more favorite characters. And I feel like this is a very distinctive, you can, you get to have like a, a spirit companion, you get spells. This is like the full embodiment of being the, the whole mysticism part of when we talk about ancient mortals and, and things like that. And then next we have the sorcerer origins, uh, the elemental blade sorcerer, which is kind of like a, a fusion of a, uh, a fighter and a sorcerer. It almost reminds me of a sorcerer version, sorcerer version of the Hexblade, the warlock subclass. Yes. Uh, but you get, you know, elemental attacks rather than these kind of um, dark and creepy attacks like the Hexblade does. Mm -hmm. And then warlock patrons. We have um, a full patron, a full uh, subclass for the the Fallen Tower, where you get your powers from the one of the destroyed towers of the High Sorcery. Yeah, and, then, and we also have a guide of other patrons like the Forest Master, Lord Soth, uh, and others who who might serve you. Who who could be a good patron for Warlock? We have some tips here for sort of how to use pre-existing subclasses with patrons from Dragonland. Right, and then we have the Wizard Arcane Tradition, the Kingfisher. Oh yeah, uh, and the Winter Norn. I love the Winter Norn. I love anything like ice magic, cold magic. So if you want to play, I was going to say Elsa from Frozen. Maybe maybe that <laughs> maybe that's not the best choice. But if you want to play somebody with who really focuses on cold magic and ice magic, the Kingfisher is near and dear to my heart because I played a Kingfisher for probably a couple of years actually, and then uh, I uh, this was one that I wrote. So uh, it's. Uh, it might not, maybe not everybody loves that one, but it's, it's one of my favorites. And after the subclasses, we go into the factions. Dragonlance is notable for a number of really important factions that really influence the destiny of the, mm -hmm. of Anselm. So we have Knights of Salamnia, uh, which are there. They are in Shadows of the Shadow of the Dragon Queen, but they are presented much differently here in Tassel's Patches of Everything. We use the faction system rather than this kind of like background slash feet system that they have in Shadow of the Dragon Queen. There's instructions for how your character increases in rank and renown and the different perks you get as you increase in rank and renown. Yes, and so th those will reflect in different abilities, like you said. 
And it doesn't tie your character up with a feed or a background or anything like that. It's just that it's all reflected in your play. We also have action rules for the mages of high sorcery. Oh, look at, look at me. I'm already saying mages of high sorcery. That's okay. Um, <laughs> for the wizards of high sorcery. We went on traditional again, route there. Yeah. Again, different from what's presented in Shadow the Dragon Queen, presented as a faction rather than as the combination of background and feats. Each time you gain a rank within your specific order, black, red, and white, each time you gain a rank, you gain access to a new secret, which gives you like a new magical ability. Right. I think that's a really, that's a really clever idea. So it's like you, you gain a rank and then you got this list to choose from like, Oh, what, which of these secrets do I want to take? And there's all the information there about taking tests and things like that for of high sorcery. We also have similar information for the, uh, the Dark Knights, and then the Legion of Steel as well. The factions that are presented in Shadow of the Dragon Queen are represented here, but also, like like we were talking about earlier, this book gives you the ability to play in different time periods. So if you want to play during the Chaos War, when of course the Knights of Tachesis are a huge important faction, you have rules for playing as them. Or if you want to play during the Age of Mortals, when the Legion of Steel comes into existence, you can play as them as well. So a lot of different options for different time periods. You're not going to be restricted by just to the War of the Lance era. Look, don't always feel tied down to exactly from the timelines of the books. If you want to bring an organization into a that's okay. I'm sure Chuck would kill me, who's the head writer on this, but it's okay for us to like dip in, especially when, when Dragonlance deals a lot with time travel. Use your imagination. Then chapter three, um, this is where we go into backgrounds and feats. Chapter three, we have some, uh, some backgrounds that are intended to feel, you know, more Dragonlance. There's one called Ambassador. Mm -hmm. This is sort of a common, a common sort of character trope within Dragonlance, especially as the world is sort of rebuilding following the War of the Lance, you know, different, different groups sending ambassadors, delegates to different other groups to try to strengthen their alliances so that the world doesn't fall into chaos like it did prior to the War of the Lance. Yeah, Lorana became an ambassador later on. Yeah. Guild Thieves, so if you're a member of the Thieves Guild from, like, Palanthus, Calaman, anywhere. Um, and then the Outcast, and there's a lot of there's a lot of outcasts in Dragonlance, like Tannis. Oh, yeah. used to be an outcast. Flint was kind of an outcast. Don't forget about the Handler. Oh, of course. I'm going through this so quickly, I completely missed it. <laughs> the Handler, yeah. So if you're... This, if you are... A Kender, or grew up among Kender, you can choose the Handler background. You're a little... Uh, I would not say thief, of course. I would never say that. How dare but, you? <laughs> How very dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to play a Kender that's a bit more in line with the classic Dragonlance presentation of Kender, we've got rules for you to do that. Pick the Handler background, and then um, and then you can play as a Kender. Or play as a more traditional Kender. Right. Um, I don't know how to say this word. Sick at Hool operative? Stick it up. Yeah, you got it right. A kind of uh, goblin, a kind of goblin spy. Mm -hmm. Does that sound right? Yeah. So there's, so that's the whole, you know, when you talk about blending, these are a, a, just a small section of goblins that are kind of good guys. They're not your standard bad goblins. They're ones that, that work with the Legion of Steel and, and uh, kind of help the people. Some feats here, which have which have a lot of fun fun names that harken back to the Dragonlance stories of old. So we have like Caramon's fist, uh, Tannis's wise words, Kit's grin, uh, Darkheart, Soth's darkness, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few others like Sturdy, uh, Sturdy and Rope Trickster, Gambler. Yeah. Little, little nods to our favorite characters that you can use to help flavor your character a bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we go on to Cultural Weapons and Equipment. Um, which is, is a long list of various weapons that have sort of roots within Kryn, especially the, I mean, the, the Kender weapons are the ones that keep jumping out at me. The ones that are like, they're like double duty and they function as musical instruments too, like the, the hoopack, the chapack. There's the gnomish, gnomish weapons. weapons though. Ridiculous amounts of gnomish weapons. Oh, I forgot to mention earlier that there's, there's rules for the different, um, gnomish groups as well. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, as, as uh, we have all the different uh, gnomes represented. So a lot of these weapons are are even for the different countries and and the uh, the humans. I think we have some of the folks that come from Kerr or come from all these other. There's ice would, weapons too, like the ice reach, the ice mm-hmm. folk, the ice folk. Yeah, I mean, like this chapter has more than you'd ever want or need. <laughs> And then chapter five, we go into the Pantheon of Kryn. So again, Shadow of the Dragon Queen gives like a little blurb about each of the gods, but here we get, you know, uh, alternate names. We get sort of a sense of what this god is all about, what their followers are all about, how they appear, how they might appear in mortal form to their followers, and also ideas um, for holy days. I was just going to say, I got to give a shout out to Elena. Who, uh, Green Adara art, uh, she did the art from a lot of this book, but she did like kind of a star chart that represents all of the gods. And like, this is probably my, one of my favorite pieces of art in the entire, the entire book. Yeah. So, so I got all the, the constellations as stars, but then they're also sort of traced over to represent, you know, to show the shape of, of which god they, they represent. Yeah. It's really, it's really pretty. And the moon's on it too. We go through all, all of the, the 21 gods are sort of the main pantheons. Uh, and then there's a little bit at the end also about chaos, about the high god, and about Mina. There's charts for each of the gods or tables for each of the gods to say, like, uh, for example, I'm looking at Paladine. Paladine, alignment, lawful good. Province, sort of what Paladine is in charge of. Kingship, guardianship, redemption, and good dragons. And then we have suggestions for the, for his domain. Yep. So, like, for example, Paladine is his peace and order domain, and then his symbol is a silver triangle. So you might have a character come in and say, I want to play a cleric of Paladine, how do I do that? Or you might have somebody come in and say, I want to play a life domain cleric. Which god should I follow? You know, and you look at this table, Mishikau. Yeah. Easy. Uh, and then it goes right down the list for all the other gods. So we've got, you know, uh, Gillian as a knowledge or a, or a peace domain god. And we have Tachesis, uh, adjudication, which is one of the, which is one of the original ones in the book, adjudication, order, trickery. I think that's fun. And like you said, it just kind of goes down the list. I mean, we, we even have stuff for like Zaboam, freedom or tempest. It's all there. All the gods are represented on this table. Mm-hmm. And then chapter six is ambient magic of print. So this has a lot to do with the forms of magic that kind of appear during the age of mortals, particularly the primal sorcery and the, uh, the power of the heart. So if you're playing in a, you're playing in a campaign that's set during the age of the, during the age of mortals before the gods come back and you still want to have your magic users, you can use now, this is some information on primal sorcery and also on the power of the heart that you can use. It starts with the assumption that primal sorcery and the power of the heart have really always existed on Kryn. So no matter what period of time you're playing in, you can 
bring this aspect forward for your character. So I'm looking here right now, for example, at, um, at the bard subclass, okay? So, or at the bard class. So let's say you want to play a bard during the Age of Despair. Well, you bump into that question that Dragonlance fans have beaten their heads against, you know, for years. How do you be a bard in the Age of Despair if you're not trained as a wizard or if you're not, uh, or if you don't have access to the divine magic? Well, you know, you've got the primal sorcery or you've got mysticism. There's, they're out there. Just that's sort of how your character has tapped into it. One of the most interesting things about this chapter is that it really gives you ideas for how to incorporate sorcerers into any time period of Dragonlands. Right. And that, and I would say that the, that's been a major complaint because in, uh, in the past, people have said all sorcerers didn't exist before the chaos. So there was a novel that came out called The Renegades that kind of showed sorcerers did exist. They they had just been heavily hunted down by the orders of high sorcery. And while, yes, you might have some issues being a sorcerer in certain ages, like the Age of Might and obviously War of the Lands, things like that, they did exist. You can play that class. You just have to work with your dungeon master. And this, this, uh, this chapter definitely has a lot of information that would be helpful for anyone that, that wants to do something like that. And this has a lot of tips. Like, let's say you, let's say the class that you want to play, you know that you want to play an Eldritch Knight fighter, but you don't know exactly how to incorporate it into your Dragonlance campaign. Well, this has, this has tips for you. Or if you want to play like the, the arcane trickster rogue, or if you want to play different kinds of monks, because monks are pretty, at least in my experience, monks are not put in the forefront very much in Dragonlance. So there's tips on how to play a monk if that's what you want to play. And then we move on to chapter seven, which is magic items. And this has some of the most classic, most beloved items in Dragonlance history. I know that as of this recording, some people are already putting out their magic items guides on the DMs Guild, but we're really highlighting the best. Like we've got Blue Crystal Staff, uh, the Bright Blade, uh, the Staff of Magius. There's notes here about the the medallions of faith that the um, that the clerics wear, salamnic armor, and of course the dragon lances. Oh know? yeah, four different kinds of dragon lances that you can that you can choose from. And I dare say these dragon lances seem a bit more badass than the ones in Fizzbands. I don't I don't know if you had seen the ones uh, from Shadows of the Dragon Queen, but I believe they're a little more than that as well. And hey. You can play with either version, but we spent a lot of time not, we have the two different types, the ones that you attack from the dra- with aerial ones that, that you wield from Dragonback or the ones that you would wield as a footman. So we have greater and lesser. Uh, and I will tell you what, in this whole ch- entire chapter, my favorite is Staff of Magus. Uh, Staff of Magus. The Staff of Magus really feels different from any magical item I've ever seen. Oh yeah, in, in published supplements, so it it lives up to its reputation. I think. I'm glad to hear that. And then chapter eight, we go into creatures of Ancelon. So there is um, monster stats for Draconians, which are different from the ones that are presented in um, in the in the official guides. Um, there's stats for the dragon spawn, which are the the sort of second generation Draconians that are created by the dragon overlords during the Age of Mortals. Yeah, and we have some information there. Uh, if you wanted to play a Dragon Spawn player character, 
and we'll represent those as the uh, the dragonborn. Uh, and then a, a few smaller creatures, the Hattori and the, the Script Beetle and Spectral Minions, our beloved friends from the uh, from Darkenwood. Oh yeah, sea otters, porpoises. So that's like if you're if you're playing as a Dimmernesty or a Darganesty, and you transform into a porpoise or a sea otter, we've got the stats for them right here. And we also have a little stat for the giant mantis that can be summoned uh, by our uh, monk subclass. So you'd have yes. to dig in there. <laughs> yes, so the way of the, the way of the mantis monk can summon a, a mantis friend, and that's that's right. highlighted in here too. Uh, chapter nine, the river of time. So this is the the complete history of Kryn from the very beginning all the way up until the post War of Souls era. Um, we try to include as much as possible, but being you know in a self contained you know just a few pages. And then chapter ten is the geography of Ancelot. So it talks about. Um, the different nations, and it talks about uh, a little bit about the people that live there. Um, so there's the places that everybody knows and loves, like, you know, Abyssinia and Salamnia. Even sort of the, the lesser-known places, like, let's see here, Nordbar, a little bit on a little bit on Sandcrest, yep. a little bit on Naraka, which I think is cool, a little bit on Tyr, is that how you say it? The Draconian? Yes. Tyr, yeah. The Draconian, uh, Draconian Stronghold. And a very lovely map. Take a look at this map and connect. Connect the names to the map and see where, excuse me, where everything sort of fits together. Yeah, I like that map. That's our new map. Yes, it's very nice. I hope everything is in the right place. Let me look. Is 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 sanction in the right place? It better be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's no. right. that's that's Tass's pouches of everything. Revised edition. And from there, if you keep scrolling, when you if you do make the purchase, you get the first adventure. And that's uh, chapter one of uh, Champions of Kryn, The Mystery of the Lost Patrol. Yeah, so why don't you give a little um, snippet of what, it, what, what the sort of story is behind Champions so, of Kryn. I would say Champions of Kryn, it takes place about a year after the War of the Lance. There are a number of patrols that have gone into the country, a very small country, which is to the east of Salamnia called Throttle. Uh, and there are a lot of goblins that live in that area. And you are an adventuring party that's kind of looking for this lost patrol that had disappeared. And you go looking and you find it basically a conspiracy and a new force of evil has kind of arising. And I, I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, you're looking for kind of a, a lost book that might have the secret to creating more draconians, which could turn the tide of the uh, what's left of the dragon armies. And so you get there and, and that starts the quest. And so this is going, this is a, this, this adventure is for first level. Chapter two will be out in less than two months, and that's second level. A few months after that, you'll have chapter three. Yes. And if you're interested, well, I shouldn't say it because it'll be a spoiler if you want to play in it. We, I'm actually running this adventure right now for the for the podcast, doing an actual play, and my group is having a lot of fun. There's a lot to it for for a low level adventure. You know, it's not just like you know, you walk into the cave and you kill five spiders, and now you're level two. You know, it's really, I mean, you're really getting a, a full adventure 
just at level one, which is really cool. And this is a great introduction for new players Dragonlance because it doesn't really require you to have much in terms... I mean, my players don't have any real background knowledge of Dragonlance. I picked people who didn't have background knowledge. And um, so it's a perfect introduction for bringing in new people, people who are like, hey, I'm interested in playing this setting. I don't know, you know, the 40 or the 30 years of history. Well, it is 40. Wow. I don't know yep. the 40 years of history, but but uh, I'm interested in playing it. And this is a, it's a great introduction. I agree. And so, and this version has a couple extra pages. We put a couple more options in for, for more tables for the DMs. We added a player race. Um, we also added, uh, several new spells of, uh, cantrip and first level that the players can use. And, you know, we, we added some new art and things like that to make it look prettier. Uh, much like, uh, revised test, test loss patches of everything. So you get that adventure, you get Tasselhoff's Pouches of Everything, and you get the first Champions of Kryn adventure. And of course, this takes place, like you said, after the War of the Lance. So if you want to play in that sort of prime prime era, that golden era after the War of the Lance, when uh, if you if you want to just explore the world of Dragonlance and all the different nations and the different peoples, that's a great place to start. The Dragonlance Nexus has been here for two decades now. And we are for the fans by the fans. And so everybody here is, is just a huge nerd <laughs> when it comes to Kryn and Ancelon and all the things. And this is, this is the sum of the project that we've worked on for now. And I'm very proud and I hope you, you all like it. Uh, and we're always here for feedback. If you see something wrong, contact us. We have social media. We have all the handles you can talk to us, and and hopefully this will be everything that you need. It will be everything that you need. If you need something else, it doesn't exist. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. And there's, I just want to say, there's a lot of people already putting stuff out on DM Skill for Dragonlance. I don't want to, not to disparage any particular person because I haven't read them, but. This book is made by people who love Dragonlance down into their souls. You know, it's like, it's a part of who we are. I can pretty much guarantee you're not going to get that from any other source. That, that's the whole point is, is the amount of love that went into this and late nights and everybody here has families and their own time. We're just trying to work from here to, to build, you know, better projects. And uh, we've got a lot of things coming up, and we hope that um, you find those ex- as exciting as we do, especially with some of our projects like partnering with Richard Knack for a uh, a project about the Kazala, yeah, that's the Minotaurs. Really, that's going to be really cool. So Richard Knack, the author of Legend of Huma, Kaz the Minotaur, Reavers of the Blood Sea. R- remind me what other novels he wrote. Uh, well, he wrote the Minotaur Trilogy. The Minotaur Trilogy, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yes. So uh, he loves his minotaurs. If he if there there's one person on on this planet who knows minotaurs, it's Richard Knack. Yeah, and Legend of Huma. And this is all about Kaz when he, uh, you know him establishing 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 excuse me um, his new society. And it, this is kind of a big experiment because he's going to be writing some fiction that that will set the tone for the book and for the adventure that 
will eventually become. So we're all very excited. Yeah, so this will be a joint project, Dragonlance Nexus and Richard Knack, and now that's about as cool as it gets. Right. So thank you, Ed, very much for taking the time. I know it's super late and you're probably exhausted after the day you've had, but thank you for taking the time to speak to me and thank you to everybody listening. And uh, like I said, there's going to be a link in the show notes. So grab your copy of Tasselhoff's Pouches of Everything revised with your free bonus copy of Champions of Kryn, Chapter 1, The Mystery of the Lost Patrol. It's going to be well, well worth your money and you're going to be supporting a group of true Dragonlance fans who just want to make more Dragonlance products for you to enjoy. Right. And thank you, Megan, and uh, long live Lance. <laughs>